0: sales enablement society stories from the trenches where enablement practitioners share their real world experiences get the scoop on what's happening inside sales enablement teams across the global ses member community each segment of stories from the trenches share the good the bad and the ugly practices of corporate sales enablement initiatives learn what worked what didn't work and how obstacles were eliminated by corporate teams and leadership. Sit back, grab a cold one, and join host Paul Butterfield, Vice President of Sales Enablement at Instructure for casual conversations about the wide and varied profession of sales enablement where there is never a one-size-fits-all solution.
1: Welcome back, everybody. We're here again at Stories from the Trenches with another practitioner that's working on problems that most of us face at one point or another in our career. So we're excited to have you join us again this month. I'd like to start off right away by introducing you to Jay Zansra. Jay is with Upkeep. And Jay, maybe tell us a little bit about your role there and a little bit about Upkeep. Sure, I'd be glad to.
0: My role at Upkeep, the title is a Sales Enablement Manager. And essentially what I'm responsible for is helping upkeep establish a repeatable sales process and methodology, helping keep sales reps informed on the latest and greatest sales practices, uh, the latest product updates and how to integrate that into their pitches, as well as developing their understanding of the industry and finding, you know, our clients that can benefit uh, the most from, uh, the features our product offers.
1: All right. No, uh, no shortage of things to work on there, right? Mm-hmm. Before we jump into the uh, core of the of our conversation, I always like to start off with some kind of fun icebreaker question just to help the audience and uh, and me get to know you a little bit better on a personal level. I don't want to uh, jinx us all, but listening to the CDC, listening, you know, to to the government officials I think it was even an article in Forbes magazine I read just a couple of days ago that said, you know, that day is coming, that we're going to be able to travel again. Now, Forbes was talking about work travel. But so what I want to know is, you know, like my family and I, you've been thinking about what is that first personal trip going to be? Where are you going to go and, and why are you going there?
0: Ooh, that's a great question. Where I'm going is up to northern Michigan. There's a very small lake in the middle of nowhere that my grandparents have had a small little cabin on since the 70s. Uh, that I would go park myself on a boat with a fishing pole and spend nighttime uh, as far away from people and the concrete jungle as I could.
1: Does that include social media? Do you have a signal up uh, there? there?
0: There's no signal. That's one of the best <laughs> things about it. You got to drive into town, which is about a half hour away so you, uh, to make a phone call or uh, check your email.
1: All right. So you got to have serious FOMO to make that effort. So
0: <laughs> Yeah.
1: <laughs> that actually sounds really nice. You a fly fisherman or um spin cast? What do you do?
0: No, just regular spin cast, and it got an old open face shimano and the thing to catch up there is some crappie or largemouth.
1: Nice. That does sound really nice. Well, thanks for sharing that. When you and I were talking about our common experiences and, and, and what we, you know, faced now and, and previously in our careers, there are a couple of things that bubbled up that I am really sure others listening right now are, are dealing with, or will be if they are now. And the first part is this. I came to sales enablement relatively late in my career. I was in sales and sales leadership almost the whole time. And in fact, I'm, I'm in my third role right now of building a sales enablement organization and strategy. And what I found early on is that sales enablement at its best really serves as a hub of information that is fed by rev ops, product teams, product marketing teams, maybe an L&D team if your company is large enough to have a separate L&D team. But we become that nexus where this all comes together and we work with them to figure out what is the right delivery vehicle, the right time, etc. for the various sales and SDR and customer success teams we may support. That's when it's working well. What you and I talked about is a lot of times that just doesn't happen organically, right? The other departments are busy. They've got their own goals, their own, you know, uh, KPIs are trying to hit and that sort of thing. So I would love to hear some of the experiences that, you know, your perspective and, and how have you found success? Let's start with marketing in getting time from your marketing partners.
0: That's a really fun topic. Where it started was, was a pretty big fail. I'm relatively new to the enablement management space. I've been a trainer for a while, so I know how to train and develop curriculum, but I don't know how to build overarching, I guess, targets to hit or concepts or theories to establish. So getting other teams involved uh, was a very steep learning curve for me. And one of the things I learned pretty quickly is uh, you can't just go to them and ask uh, for a list of groceries that you hope they have mm-hmm. uh, you've got to establish a pretty good buy-in for why should they help or commit their resources to you because everybody's you know busy in a startup you've got 1,500 things to do and they were all due yesterday. So with marketing, it was trying to give them a very clear idea of what I'm looking for help on as well as a very clear how to contribute to some of my goals uh, so that they can see the overarching impact that work that they would contribute, uh, would have on the overall company's success. Uh, and then very crisp on the amount of time expected for them to contribute. Uh, the last thing I want to be is the guy that says, Oh, by the way, can you put, put this on your calendars? It'll be real quick. And then it ends up taking three hours when you originally said it would take 30 minutes.
1: Mm, That's a great point. And and reality is even if it really is real quick, five or six real quicks also can chew up productivity fast and, Then, then like you say, you become the person that people avoid. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. don't want to be there. Did you find that? Actually, before I ask that question, how about your product partners? There's so much information uh, coming out. I don't know what your release cycle is, but especially in a SaaS world, and you're just talking about multiple releases a year, the sales team needs to be updated on it. We don't necessarily want to just do a feature dump. We need to help them understand why do customers care about it? But sometimes product people, again, are, are, are super busy. They may not think about sales the way that you or I think about sales. So how have you built some bridges there?
0: With product, I think it's a steeper hill to climb compared to marketing just because product in our world, they're so heads down and they're so up against the wall with so many feature updates, especially at a, a startup SaaS where you're trying to catch up and then pass your competitors is it's hard to get them to see the value to explain what the product does to the sales floor because they're so focused on making the product better. It's, it's hard for them to see that side.
1: Do you mean they're trying to make the product better, like some features and things just for their own sake, not necessarily in response to customer requests?
0: uh, It's for the customer request. Uh, But the gap we see is, is product and engineering are great at explaining what the product does. Mm -hmm. Uh, Where they lack though is why that product matters to the customer. Okay. As okay. well and finding that language to fit. So enablement is structured by us to become sort of that filter of great, you tell me product A now does X, Y, and Z. Fundamentally, that's fantastic. But what does X, Y, and Z do for our, our clientele? Okay. And that gets filtered then through enablement to share with the sales floor and start implementing. So getting product to see the value and needing to tweak that language. And communicate openly and contribute to explaining sort of what the product does so enablement can share that, that language around the impact it has for the client is, is challenging.
1: How far, and, and maybe I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit here, you mentioned it's an uphill climb, and I would agree with that. It can be. How, how much progress do you feel that you and, and perhaps others that you work with have made in that area, and, and what do you attribute that, that progress to?
0: The progress we've made so far is just getting commitment from product to devote one hour a week to share latest updates as they come. Uh, We typically communicate from product to sales in emails and Slack of FYI, here's updates to expect to the product. Mm -hmm. But we've gotten one more step where product will host office hours where sales reps can come to them with questions about latest feature updates. And, you know, if a customer asks me this what's the best workaround or what's the best answer to that sort of use case so we're we're making progress but yeah that's still a hill i'm i'm working on climbing more
1: i'm with you it's a journey right mm-hmm. but uh, i appreciate your insights the last group at least when i think of this you know uh, joining of the joining of forces is with our revops or or sales ops teams and how do you view that and, and how do you interact at your company with with sales ops?
0: Yeah, with sales ops, I actually roll up into rev ops. OK, so we've got a team. Uh, I've got my director of revenue operations who I report directly to. And then I've also got a couple other teammates that run kind of all the, the background number crunching. And that's been probably the most transparent aspect of of our company that we get to work with, or I have the privilege of working with because uh, anytime I need a report on numbers on rep performance or conversion rates, uh, it's a couple of clicks and I can pretty much get that report. So that's nice. kind of the ideal state, which I've been fortunate enough to have.
1: All right. You had mentioned to me in our conversation that, that uh, sometimes, you know, with maybe so now that I know that you report into RevOps, maybe it's intra team, but, but scheduling and handling all the logistics that go on with a new hire class. And and I have found that whether it's a cohort of two or a cohort of seven, it, the amount of work involved in, in, in bringing them on successfully doesn't change a whole lot. And then also, of course, there's the ongoing professional development that you do. So fill in a little detail for me and what you were referring to when you talked about working with RevOps on those things.
0: So for the onboarding aspect, when we bring in new employees, depending on what organization they join inside Upkeep Mm -hmm. uh, dictates how much time commitment RevOps will give them. So if they're joining the sales floor, uh, enablement gets them fully for two weeks, just about. Uh, If they go into engineering or marketing, they get about three days from RevOps. And then they kind of go learn by shadow uh, in those other departments. When they come on board for the sales side, uh, we have a full curriculum uh, that breaks down based on product, industry, and then sales process. So they come in learning. um, Here's what Upkeep is, and here's what it does. Then they start understanding who does it, does it who does upkeep work best for mm-hmm. and who are our clients? And then the third piece is our sales process, which is how do we connect what upkeep does to what clients want? And RevOps pretty much is my full support background of all of the tech, the login access, all of their tech pieces that they need to do their job successfully is done by the time they walk through the, the virtual door now uh, on their first day. And then I'll take it pretty much full time from there for the next two weeks.
1: I really like something that you said in that last answer on the lines of looking at the product, looking at your sales process, but then how do you plug that into what your customers are looking for? In my experience, too many sales organizations are focused on how do we jam our customers into our sales cycle or our sales process. And that's not a great experience for the customer, that's for sure. So I I think I want to call that out as as pretty key. And it sounds like you've got a pretty um a pretty solid infrastructure there for sales enablement. It sounds like you get a, you know, pretty good amount of support internally. Is that true?
0: Yes. Certain aspects we have all the support we could ask for specifically on the sales side with RevOps and getting leadership to contribute and provide feedback to make sure enablement's as sharp as it can be. It's mm-hmm. been uh, truly a pleasure to work in those spaces. Uh, we can still, um, I can get better at working with product and marketing to help make enablement even sharper and more mm-hmm. effective. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, the number side and being able to put together an effective sales process. Um, yeah, I feel like I'm not lacking in that category.
1: Well, that's, that's, that's good to hear. And that I asked because I want to pivot to one of the other topics that you and I were just kicking around earlier. And that is the the topic of sales playbooks. I think most people would agree that a well written, well designed is a better word. Sales playbook is essential to an organization, especially as you put it, when you're trying to organize the wild west of a sales floor, especially in a company's younger years you know, into a single source of truth. A customer experience should be the same, uh, whether no matter which salesperson they're talking to, that type of thing. However, writing a sales book, number one, let's start with that. Easy to say, hard to do in my experiences. What have you found are the biggest challenges in building out that sales playbook?
0: The biggest challenge is picking a spot to start on Mm -hmm. because there's so many ways or so many categories and topics and, and information that goes into a playbook. It's such a big elephant. You don't even know where to take your first bite. And the biggest push I got from my manager finally was uh, I, it doesn't matter where you start. You don't get graded on the starting point. You get graded on the ending point. So just pick a place and start throwing stuff at
1: the wall. I like that uh, to make it stick. Yeah. You don't get graded on the starting point. You get graded on the ending point. Yeah. That's, that's, that's a great concept. So with that said, where did you start? And you had to make a choice. You know, how how did you kind of finally settle on something that you felt like was the right starting point? And where did you start?
0: I started with what we had the most content around, which was our sales process, Mm -hmm. Uh, taking our process stages uh, and just creating those as basically chapters to this playbook. So each stage had its own chapter of here's what you need to successfully hit this stage Here's some insights and pro tips on how to do it. Here's some further content links uh, to better inform yourself to get to those pieces. Uh, And then we just did that stage by stage. And that over the course of about three to four weeks became our V1 of the playbook, which just had our sales process and how to successfully execute it.
1: Okay. Seems like a reasonable starting point. How did you then introduce it to the sales team?
0: Yeah, that was probably the scariest part is... Now you have this new set of guidelines and how to's and you you know, it's necessary and leadership is bought in. But you still have your your biggest critics, which is the sales floor, the Mm -hmm. sales reps, the AEs,
1: your customers. And yeah,
0: yeah, they're basically. Yeah. If if they're happy, I'm happy. Also, if they're performing well, that's when I'm the happiest. Mm -hmm. But it was working on what's going to be in it for them if they if they buy in and they adopt this playbook and it tied back to what they care about and what they're measured on. And I mean, what they're measured on is performance. How much revenue are they generating? How high is their activity? Where is their activity focused? And calling out weak spots in both of those areas and, and why those areas are weak spots and how this playbook is designed not to handicap you and force you to follow a specific structure. But here's what we've heard about being pain points in your world. Here's where this playbook Addresses and tries to minimize those those pain points, not eliminate. Mm-hmm. Uh, sales is too much gray area to ever say this is a silver bullet to all of your woes, but this will help give you mm. a reliable backstop to check yourself if you feel like you're not doing things correctly or if you're not having the same effect that you once were. Go back to this playbook, test yourself if you're doing these things appropriately. And then adjust or reaffirm that you are doing things right. And it's just a matter of time before you see things yeah. come through.
1: Or maybe ask for some coaching if it's something that you just, yeah. Uh-huh. So you're really using the playbook as a little bit of a kind of a standard to measure the, the salesperson could to, to measure themselves by when quota is not getting hit. Is that what you're saying?
0: Yeah. And then look at reps, too, on the other side who are performing well mm-hmm. and ask, why are they performing well? And then the next follow up question can be, you know, what is in their control that is a correlation or a causation to that success? Are okay. they asking better questions? Are they explaining different features to different types of clients? You know, what are the levers that we can pull as salespeople uh, to increase our conversion rate and our overall performance?
1: What platform or tool did you land, uh, decide on to build your sales playbook and roll it out? If I'm a rep, how am I seeing my sales playbook and using it?
0: Oh, that's a really fun question that took us a long time to answer, because uh, probably like a lot of startups who are working off of less resources, uh, we started with Google Drive mm-hmm. and had folders for each stage and it was messy and it took forever to find stuff. And typically you'd find it once, but I have to go through the same process to go find it next week mm-hmm. after you closed out all your tabs for the week. So we, we purchased a software called Guru, mm-hmm. which is... More or less, it's a skin that lays over Salesforce. Or I'm, any I'm
1: familiar with Guru, skin. right? Okay. okay.
0: So we, we created this card with the playbook as well as all of specific cards for like ICPs in our, our ideal client profile or specific stage criteria uh, and content resources for each of those stages. So now when a rep is working through Salesforce and let's say they're on our, you know, discovery needs assessment fact finder stage, If they market as that stage in Salesforce, Guru will then automatically provide this list of here's content that we think will be helpful for you in this stage. Mm -hmm. And they'll be able to find talk tracks, um, industry insights based on who they're talking to, what level of of authority they're talking to, uh, all coming out of the playbook, but just breaking it down and making it findable with one click.
1: Guru, and there's a number of companies in the space that do that, it sounds like what you're saying is it was getting them a very user-friendly graphical interface. In fact, not even so much interface. It's right in Salesforce is being served up to them.
0: Yeah. One of the biggest frictions to adoption for us is just the time to go find whatever you need. So guru eliminates that pain point and friction altogether by automatically saying, here's what you need.
1: Okay. So as you said, you pick a starting point, you get it out there. How are you and the team thinking about continuous iteration or improvement? And by that, I mean, collecting input from folks, random attaboys or drive by comments in Slack, you know, aren't aren't terribly useful. Um, How are you going to continue to evolve this thing, you know, as your market changes or as the needs of the salespeople change?
0: Right now there's a couple things that we're doing to keep the the feedback portion of this playbook operating and working because we know the playbook's going to change it's a living breathing document with mm-hmm. message to AE's so we can't make it better without your input. So we have twice a week office hours that I'll host where reps can come and go as they please to talk about anything related to the sales process, what works, what doesn't work and mm-hmm. why. And what changes potentially can we make to improve this playbook? Or what insights do I not see? Also, Guru allows us to make specific comments to a specific card. Mm-hmm. Another example, if we have like uh, our discovery worksheet that they would fill out as they're in the call with a prospect, mm-hmm. uh, they can leave a comment on that worksheet saying this question and these follow-up questions really allow me to uncover this point, which brought the prospect to purchase. Can we put this into the playbook or... Or give examples like this.
1: Okay. Do you get so, a good response rate or have you had to prompt people? What's it been like so far?
0: It's taken a lot of prompting to get them to leave comments. I've got some that are, are, are frequent flyers and leave comments weekly mm-hmm. uh, and that's helpful. That's great. Uh, others have, have disappeared altogether and provide little feedback or shown up to any of the office hours right. to help. And you kind of, you know, you get your spectrum of people that are, are the cheerleaders. Uh, and the run through fire for you on anything you roll out and you have the other side of the spectrum of people will just sit in the back of the classroom, so to speak. And yeah, I dare you to over. teach me something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Impress me. Clearly.
1: Yeah. Yeah. trust so, me. Right.
0: Uh, it's I find that kind of challenge, though, engaging because I know I can't win everybody, but that's not an excuse not to go after them and try. Mm-hmm. It's been fun to maintain the the high engagement individuals, but it's also and motivating challenge to go after the ones with their arms crossed waiting to be impressed
1: you draw your energy from the first group and then you go take another run at the second group right <laughs> <laughs> that's well said yeah how does your sales leadership or how have they factored into the creation and the rollout of this playbook
0: for a lot of the content specific to like industry or our ideal client profiles mm-hmm. marketing has been vital i don't think i could do my job without marketing's role. Uh, in putting together our ICPS um, and helping convey, you know, here's what they're using most in our product, mm-hmm. and here's what they're telling us as why they like those features so much. Because marketing has the insight to see like where clicks are happening inside our our product, mm-hmm. and they can also then reach out to like our highest users uh, and ask, why do you like us so much? What are the specific features that impact your business in a positive way that makes you want to spend? you know, that amount of money with us. And they run these case studies and they do these interviews and they, they share that with the sales for to help us better see who our ICPs are and what we can ask about to try and find, you know, a a case for presenting upkeep and ultimately moving them to change.
1: All right. say that someone listening right now is contemplating building out their first playbook or maybe the one they had got so outdated that They're pretty much having to build it again. Are there a couple of key learnings that you could share that might be helpful to them?
0: Yeah, the biggest things I've learned so far in putting this playbook together is ask for help sooner and set expectations that this does not get done quickly. And by quickly, I mean if some from zero to a full playbook is going to take six months or more with a team of people putting it together. Uh, So ask for help sooner and be transparent with those you report to about progress and the time commitment to make that progress a reality. I learned the hard way of saying yes to too many things. And then when when due dates came, we had to push them out. And it's okay, but it's not a feel good when you've got to push deadlines.
1: Right. Yeah, I would agree. This has been a really uh, great conversation. I've enjoyed it, Jay. Before we let you go. I always like to end on the the, the, uh, the our, our sessions that I, these sessions I should say, um, giving giving the guests a chance to drop some some nuggets of knowledge. If you look back on your career, and if I recall, you, you started off in sales, like many of us have. Not everybody. I've known some great sales enablement folks that um, didn't start in sales, but I believe you were in sales. But if you could go back and tell yourself, or send a letter to yourself, day one of your first real job. What have you learned that you wish you'd known back then that might help somebody else?
0: If I could trip into myself, probably I'd go back to right when I got out of college. Didn't even know what I wanted to do. I just knew I could talk pretty decently. And apparently, people that can talk should go into sales. So that's what I was (laughs) talking about. And
1: yeah, just like people that are tall should play basketball, right? (laughs) Yeah, it's kind of the
0: same stuff. Yeah, same idea. Uh, I would have told myself to. To fail way more often and fail way faster going into jobs, because failures, for better or worse, is a great teacher, uh, and I'm somewhat of a stubborn learner, but failure taught me a lot of things later than it should have because I was just scared to fail. But failure in itself isn't necessarily failure. It's not trying again after you fail. It's kind of the the bad line of it doesn't matter how many times you fail, it's how many times you get up. Mm-hmm. But my advice is to do it faster. Go try as hard as you can and go fail because after you fail, you find out pretty quick what you're going to do next or what you're not going to do next.
1: All right. Thank you for sharing that. And again, thank you for the time you've spent with us today. I hope all of you listening have got as many great, as many great ideas from this conversation as I have. And I hope you will join us next time for the April episode of stories from the trenches. We'll see you then. Thanks for joining this episode of Stories from the Trenches. For more sales enablement resources, be sure to join the Sales Enablement Society at www.sesociety.org. That's
0: www.sesociety.org.